If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Psalm 103, we're just going to kind of pick on the pick up on the theme that uh, was being shared in the in the singing. That was that was outstanding. I really just want to go over a couple of uh, just a delightful psalm. It's a psalm, you know. Really, it's about it's about our salvation. It's a psalm that David wrote, and uh, uh, you know that's what the psalms are about. They're about praise. Some people say this is the Mount Everest of all the praise. Uh, uh, all the psalms, and so I think it's 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 just a wonderful psalm. We're just going to look at a couple of the words that are that are in this psalm. I'm going to start out by reading it. It's Psalm 103. We're going to start it in the uh, the very first verse. It's up there. The five verses of what we're going to look at. It says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name." It says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits." And he kind of lists some who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's the word of the Lord. And it basically saying, do not forget the word of the Lord. Let's uh, let's go to him in prayer. Father, we are grateful for your word. I'm excited to for what you have to share tonight. I pray that. Uh, my words would speak, uh, would be your words, and that they would speak into our hearts tonight. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. That verse 2 really sticks out to me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the reason it sticks out or means something to me is because I tend to forget. I don't know if you're like that. I forget in a, a lot of ways. I can be going to, to Kroger with only three things to get, and I get home and realize I've forgotten two of the things, and I've got four new things that I didn't even plan on plan on getting. There's a story about a, a fellow from the city who was visiting some of his relatives on a farm and the farmer gave a whistle to his dog and his dog herded all the cattle, brought them into the pen, raised his paw and latched the pen, then, then ran over and sat by, uh, by the farmer. Well, the, the guy from the city was impressed. He said, uh, that's some dog. What's her name? And the farmer who was forgetful said, well, <laughs> what is the flower that has red petals and it smells really, really nice and it's got a, a stem with, with uh, thorns on it? And, and the guy said, uh, a rose. So the farmer turned to his wife and said, Rose, what's the name of that dog? <laughs> Physician said to a patient, how many times do I have to tell you I don't treat amnesia cases? <laughs> Someone's going to laugh in 10 minutes about that. Well, no, I, what did he say? Uh, but we do that, you know, um, car keys. You ever left your car keys? You know, who hasn't left their car keys or locked them in the car? I try to put stuff where I, like, if, I, if I'm afraid I'm going to lose my wallet, I'll put it where my car keys are so that way I can't go anywhere without my wallet because my car, it doesn't, ever, doesn't always work. But we forget. And I think sometimes we forget spiritually because stuff in our life vies for our attention we have priorities. We naturally tend to seek other means, don't we, of satisfaction. And it's not like we, we, we just say, God, get out of my life. But we just kind of let other things sort of, sort of crowd in. And our life kind of goes in cycles a lot of times that way. Um, and, and, and we forget who he is and we forget what he's done. We forget about his wonderful grace and we can become dry spiritually. We can become stale and maybe you've experienced this at some point in your life, and that's sort of what this passage addresses. 
it says we all tend to forget. And we need to go back to where we put those keys. We need to go back to, the, to what's really important. We need to go back to our, our salvation, the key to living where Christ is found. You know, it starts out, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Think about that. You know, bless means, means uh, brag about. Whenever we praise the Lord or we, we bless the Lord, really what we're doing is we're bragging about him. Now, we can brag about someone else, you know, a person, and sort of stretch it a little bit. But you can't stretch bragging about God because words don't really match up to what he is really like. You know, words to describe God are like a baby babbling because God is so great. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Nothing is held back. You know, in football, they, they say, oh, that guy played a wonderful game. He, he left it out on the field. He left his heart out. He left it all out on the field. He gave everything uh, that he had, all that is within me, you know, within me, down that place where we, where we really live, down in our souls, down in our hearts. You know, bless the Lord with, with, with all that is within me, you know, from that, that control center of our lives. One of the comments made while I was watching, you know, uh, the uh, elections last night is that one of them, you know, said, well, the best thing is that it's now over. You know, you know, all these newscasters have been doing it for, for two years. Then one guy said, well, I'm going to go and take a shower and get a, and get a little nap. And then I'm going to start covering the next, the next presidential election in four years. But, you know, when, when, whenever I watch the, the ads and, and uh, statements that they make and, and how, how candidates are aligning themselves with certain causes and uh, certain parties and so, certain groups, and, you know, you hear, you hear the pundits when there's a debate, you know, well, so-and-so is going to try to position himself this way because he wants to get the vote of this group. And this candidate feels like in order to do better, he needs to appeal to this group of voters. And I'm going, what is going on? I don't want to know uh, how they're going to show themselves. I want to know what they're really like. I want to know what's deep down in that control center. You know, uh, uh, can I trust them? Is what they're saying just to put on a show to reach a certain type of person? Or is what they're saying really from, really from the heart? the innermost being where the control center is. And that's kind of the idea of what this passage is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. But, you know, I wonder how many church members can fall into that sort of that same habit. They, 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 they praise the Lord on the surface and they sing the songs on the surface, but, but what's going on down in their innermost being? Are you praising the Lord from deep down in your innermost being? Or is it getting too cloudy and too muddy down there with a bunch of other stuff going on? Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, from my innermost being. Praise his holy name. That's the first verse. In the second verse, it says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then the rest is a list of his benefits. Uh, and so think about that. What is a benefit? A benefit is something good. A benefit is an advantage. You have insurance and you have medical, you have benefits to your insurance. And some people might be saying, well, I'm not sure what those benefits are going to be anymore. And I'm a little bit worried or something like that. 
Um, but they're for your good, they're for your satisfaction, a benefit uh, is, is for your care and for your well-being. Benefits can change, but these benefits, they never change. And what David is saying is that I want to recall, I want to remember these benefits that come from my heavenly Father, the fundamental blessings that are ours just because of his kindness towards us. And they're a great, great encouragement, and they're real, and they're, they're with us, and they cannot be taken from us. And it says, don't forget that. Whenever you feel distant from God, praise him for his wonderful blessings. This song was probably, psalm was probably written by David a little bit later in his life. And if you know anything about the history of David, he went through some dark times. He went through times where he was trying to be killed from the very king that he was trying to serve. And how he fell into temptation. And then as a result, he committed murder and all the family struggles that he had. And he said, uh, I will continue to bless the Lord and forget not his benefits, the benefits of salvation. And then in verse 3, it starts listing those benefits. It says, who forgives all your sins. Jesus forgives all of our sins. Now, forgiveness is a big deal. We're talking about this in Sunday school last Sunday. Carl Menninger once said that if he could convince his psychiatric patients that they were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out of the hospital on the very next day. People can be enslaved by their, or trapped by their guilt. Christians can too. You know, man, I really blew it. You know, I, I offended God by what I did. I, I hurt other people. Or maybe we feel guilty because we're not living the Christian life like we're supposed to live. Or we go through this time in our life where here's how a Christian's supposed to be and here's where I am. And it's almost like there's a phantom that I'm chasing because I can't seem to measure up to what a Christian is supposed to be. And instead of falling back upon the forgiveness and the grace of God, we, 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 we try to reconcile or, or pay the debt of our, of our guilt. And as a result, we can be ashamed to come to him. One of the most wonderful benefits of our salvation is that Jesus has taken the guilt of our sin. It says all of your sins, past, present, and future. That means we are completely forgiven. That means our debt has been canceled. There's no debt to repay. When Jesus was on the cross and they put what the crimes committed by the person on the cross, what the debt was to society, Our debts, our sins are written written on that cross and Jesus died for those. We are forgiven. Our debts are canceled. Whatever guilt we experience, Jesus has forgiven us for that. There's no debt to repay. Everything that we have done, everything that we will do, he has forgiven. We are in right standing with the creator of the universe who is now called rightfully our heavenly father and we are his children. We are in right standing. He forgives all of our sins, a benefit of salvation. What a God we serve, what grace and mercy he demonstrates to us. All our sins are forgiven and sometimes we forget that God is more willing to forgive our sins than we're even willing to to be forgiven or to forgive ourselves. 
So that means if we become aware of an area or an action, something we're doing or something that we're not doing uh, in our life, and we know that that's not pleasing to the Lord, then repent. Then stop. Then, then, then uh, uh, change your mind. Agree with God about what it is. Read 1 John 1, 9 and claim it for yourself uh, that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness and we'll be restored to that fellowship of blessing with our heavenly father. He is eager to forgive. He is ready to forgive. He wants to forgive. Forget not that benefit. Then he goes on, not only does he forgive, but he heals all of our diseases. And this is a tough one because we all know people who have been sick and uh, who have suffered, are we, you know, if it's not true for us ourselves, then we have been touched by someone. And, 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 and we know people who have been healed, and we know people who have not been healed, and we can be confused by all that because we want to be well, and we want our, our loved ones to be well. And we know that God is in the business of healing. Even when a doctor performs a procedure or a surgery that results in a healing, God is the one who heals. But it doesn't always happen like we want. But on the other hand, can you imagine if it never happened? Can you imagine if, if, if there never was any healing? Can you imagine the suffering? Can you imagine the people who, who were sick, who are well now? Uh, uh, those who have been benefited or those who have been spared from a, a disaster. Give thanks to the Lord. He is the healer and protector. But at the same time, we we need to remember that Lazarus was healed, but later he died. And whenever we get a new hip or a new pacemaker or have cataract surgery, whatever it might be, the healing in this life at best is only temporary, and it doesn't compare to the ultimate healing that we will experience for eternity on that day when Jesus comes back and we are with him. We will be completely and totally and finally healed once and for all. That is our day. And I think this passage makes us think about healing here, but at the same time reminds us that healing will occur once and for all. And this span of life that we have here is so infinitesimally small compared to the eternity that we will spend with our Heavenly Father. So between now and then, we give thanks for every bit of healing that we're able to experience you know, even if we took an aspirin and now our headache is gone, that too is from the Lord. Or we are healed spiritually and we can thank the Lord for that. God is the giver of life. He is the preserver of our lives. And our names are written in the book of life. And because of our salvation, one day we will be completely, absolutely, and totally healed because he heals all of our diseases. And then the third benefit, it says that he, he is the one who redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. He redeems our life and he crowns us. Can you, can you imagine that? Redeem means to, to grab out of the pit, sort of. That's kind of what that, what that word means. And then he crowns us. He crowns us with love and compassion. He doesn't just say, here, now I've saved you, go on about your business. He says, now I've taken you out of this pit and I've put you up here and I've given you a crown. What a special place we have because, what a wonderful benefit we have 
because of our salvation that can never be taken away. We had a friend named, uh, named Russell. Uh, when Russell was uh, 95, we brought a clock to him. We got a clock, Marilyn and I did when we were married, and the clock got to where it was only right, you know, twice a day. And so uh, it just sat up on our mantle. I kind of liked it because it had a very loud chime to it, and, and I didn't really care about the chime, so I really wouldn't wind it that much anyway. But it was broken, and it was a nice clock, and someone special gave it to us. So we took it to our 95-year-old friend to see if he could fix it. It was ruined. But somehow he took it apart and did whatever necessary, put it back together, got it chiming and got it ticking and got it to look brand new. In a sense, what he did was, was Russell restored it and he redeemed that clock. And now it is doing what it was made by the creator of that clock to do. God is our redeemer. He's our restorer. He brought us back from a a place of utter helplessness and he takes the broken stuff in our lives and he fixes it. And whenever we find ourselves stuck in a pit, God reaches down and pulls us up, pulls us out of it. Even when we are the ones that are at fault for being in that pit, God rescues us and he not only restores our life from the pit, but he makes it far better with a crown that's far better than we could ever ask or imagine. It's a crown of love and compassion. We experience always his love and compassion. And by, by turn, we give that love and compassion to others. It's a reminder of his loyalty. It's a reminder of his love. It's a wonderful benefit. God is faithful. Think back to a time when you were in a pit. Maybe you saw the Lord bring you out because God is faithful. Maybe you're in a pit now. God is just as faithful. He's the only one who can give us a crown in exchange for a pit. And that's a pretty good deal. Now, the fourth benefit is this. Verse 5. He who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We can have the greatest chicken dinner in the world, but we'll go hungry again. And you can buy the nicest thing, car, whatever you want to be, but it eventually will get old. We can build the nicest barn to store all our stuff, But if you were ever to come with me back to where I moved from in southern Illinois, you'd see a bunch of barns at angles, you know, that you don't want to get near because they're going to be coming down any time. Real satisfaction. He satisfies our desires with good things. Comes as uh, uh, because we as believers realize that our gifts, our gifts, now this is our material gifts, all of our gifts come from the hand of God. And, you know, there's just something much sweeter knowing that even something material that we treasure comes from the hand of God. You know why? Because it gives us a heart of gratitude. And life is lived a whole lot better with a heart like that. So forget not. Remember, find your satisfaction in God. Enjoy his benefits. And you'll find renewed strength for life. Psalm 34 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you your desires. Eugene Peterson, I like how he translates this verse. He says, he wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. And I think the thing that is so great about this psalm, that at least ministers to me, is the emphasis. You know, it talks about all our benefits or these benefits. The emphasis not on um, so much on what we possess, but it's on who it is 
that possesses us. And what a wonderful way to look at our lives and to live our lives. Our sins are forgiven. Our life is in the hands of our loving, compassionate Father. We're redeemed from the pit and crowned with love. He satisfies our desires with good things. What wonderful benefits we possess. Of course, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how rich it is and how it speaks to us and how King David, who lived way back then and walked around on the earth, just as we are here now walking around, uh, wrote this psalm under your inspiration. And he talks about the benefits of the very salvation that we share in common, something that you brought about because of your love and because of your mercy and Uh, because of your grace. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to forget the benefits that we enjoy because of who you are making us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, thank you all.